Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast brought to you by the Denver Post. This is Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran bringing you a pack show here today, breaking down the schedule, Jerry Judy's arrest, rookie mini camp, and OTAs next week, what to look forward to, and some more analysis. So of course we'll start off the show with the news of last week is the Broncos returning to primetime with a vengeance. Five primetime games in total, starting with the opener against the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. And Ryan, this is a chance for the Broncos to step back into the limelight with some oomph. But uh, obviously they've got some tougher stretches and easier stretches in this schedule. And to the to the layman's eye, I mean, they got to get off on a red hot start considering how packed the latter half of their schedule is two bouts with KC down the stretch. I mean, they got to get off to a really good start here. Yeah, and I, to, to start off with your first point about the prime time, I mean, the NFL has sort of had this unofficial philosophy for decades. A team has to play its way on the prime time. Well, that's not the case anymore. I mean, this is a quarterback league. This is a quarterback TV league. The Broncos have uh, missed the playoffs six straight years. They've had a losing season five straight years. You get Russell Wilson all of a sudden you're in prime time for the first six late season game that could be flexed. Uh, Christmas day is a national TV window. London will be the only game going on at that point. Uh, so, you know, this is all the Russell Wilson effect. And, uh, you know, the, the, the league has expectations that this team is going to be competitive from the hop. You know, I look at, you know, we talk about toughest stretch, excluding the last month of the season. Yeah, I do think uh, they play three games early in the season, home to San Francisco, at Las Vegas, excuse me, four games, home to the Colts, at the Chargers. So four games, Niners, Raiders, Colts, Chargers. Niners made the NFC title game. Vegas made the playoffs. The Colts and the Chargers were in contention until they folded down the stretch in that last game. So that's my toughest stretch. What, uh, what do you see uh, so far from a tough stretch? Yeah, I mean, I think you look from week – 14 through 17 you got the Chiefs twice and then you also are playing at the Rams on Christmas Day defending Super Bowl champions plus you got the Cardinals at home which the Cardinals I know they've been up and down they got Kyler Murray Watt I mean they are they will be a contender probably this year so that's I mean those four games you could lose those four games easily then even going back to week 13 at Baltimore Gotta gotta go beat the Ravens on the road. That's always a tough task. So in my mind, I mean Ryan, looking at the schedule, when I say they gotta start start hot, I mean they gotta start like one of the best starts in football, in my opinion. I mean, I think you gotta beat Seattle and Houston to start off. And then San Francisco in week three, you gotta beat them. Week four at Las Vegas, they've struggled there. But if they can pull out a, a win or two between at Las Vegas, Indy, and at LA before uh going to a, a should be win against the Jets and then Jacksonville and London. I mean, that's that's kind of the the mid stretch of the early easy part is that LA, Indy, Vegas, six, five, four week right there, four, five, six, before you get to the Jets and Jacksonville. And the Jacksonville one's going to be a tough test, Ryan, because it's it should be a gimme game, but you got to go across the pond, deal with all the the fanfare and just all of that that comes with it. Well, Seattle, Houston. Uh... They would be favored. They, they need to win those two. San Francisco could have Trey Lance at quarterback. That means you should be 3-0. Right. Uh, so that's an easier stretch. Uh, you know, the Jets-Jaguars, those are two must-wins. 
And I would also throw Carolina, Baltimore in there. I mean, Baltimore crunched this team last year, but uh, still a team the Broncos should win on the road. And then the previous week on Thanksgiving weekend, they play at Carolina Panthers. It's terrible. They're, they're God awful. And they may, who knows who the coach or quarterback will be at that point. But, you know, you, you load up on those division games at the end of the season, then they throw in Arizona and the Rams. So it is a, a difficult stretch. That's why I am going 10 and 7. The rest of the people at the Denver Post, yourself included, 11 and 6. I just think the schedule is so uh, challenging. Plus, let's face it, I didn't want to make it all four people say 11 and 6. So I gave them an extra loss somewhere. So. But you, you hit a you hit a point is at the Raiders in Week Four. Uh, you know, they've not, they've lost both times at Allegiant Stadium. Then the next road game is a division road game. If you can get one of those two AFC West road games at the Raiders or at the Chargers, you do have a little bit of a chip of house money uh, because if you can go four and two in the division, uh, you you will make I think you'll make the playoffs easily. Yeah, and like George Payton has continually emphasized, they have to play better within the division. They got Win the West tattooed all over the walls out in Dove Valley. So it's got to start off on a good note there with that first divisional matchup week four at Las Vegas. And then really, as we as we mentioned, just to hammer this home one more time, you really got to have some cushion if you're the Broncos after week 13 heading into your final five games because – it's a it's a gauntlet. I mean, you got KC, Arizona at LA on Christmas at KC, and then the Chargers and Justin Herbert to close the season at home in Week 18. So you really got to have some cushion there if you want to be in contention to make the playoffs to get one of those wild card bids. My opinion, you know, I, I picked him to go 11 and six, but I do think the Chiefs will still rule the the West, and the Broncos will be in the playoffs on a wild card. Yeah, if I had to go right now, I'd go Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders. Uh, and it's not like me. The Chiefs have sustained some losses, but they've also made additions. I thought yep. they did a nice job in the draft, um, adding defense. They went the mostly economical route to sort of you know re- restock their receiver cupboard. And let's face it, as long as you have number 15 upright, Hasn't lost to the Broncos as a starter. Chiefs have beat him 13 straight times. So if this season goes the way people think it will for the Broncos, that uh, Week 14 game against the Chiefs here at Mile High will have high stakes and high interest. Again, this is the first Norwich podcast brought to you by the Denver Post, talking all things Broncos. That's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman. So some not-so-sunny news coming out of Arapahoe County earlier this week. Jerry Judy getting arrested. The Broncos wideout was arrested Thursday on a misdemeanor second-degree criminal tampering charge that included a domestic violence sentence enhancer. Uh, of course, he had spent the night in custody in jail, uh, Arapahoe County Jail. Next day, got out on bond. And this is really just a, an unfortunate personal situation, Ryan, that has now spilled out into public view because... Uh, the police got involved when when Jerry allegedly ha- withheld stuff from his girlfriend as she was trying to leave and he had locked it in the car. So kind of a black eye for the Broncos here, Ryan. I mean, what do you make of this and Judy's kind of situation going forward? I know Nathaniel Hackett was playing politician PR staff kind of at the podium this week, but he's got some amends to make and, and, and obviously some production to make up for 
uh, without all this off the field chaos is included in that. Right now, Jerry Judy's guilty of bad judgment. Right now, Jerry Judy's guilty of being not mature. Um, there's a reason why the cops were called to his house. Is the significant other, the girlfriend, felt they needed to be there. Um, you know, you talk about hiding phones and, you know, no trust and, um, you know, you have a month old baby. Uh, okay. Right. You know, the, the, the girlfriend the next day, hey, this, this should be dismissed. Well, it's not up to you. So it's in now in the DA's hands, they'll right? Do the investigation. Here's where, here's where the Broncos have to be disappointed in Judy is you show bad judgment. And I'll, I'll say it again right now. That's what, that, that's the concern is okay. If there's one of these, is there going to be something else? There's going to be something else after that top on the fact that he had no touchdowns last year. You know, he has been, he's been lapped by the, some of the other receivers in his draft class. Um, you know, I just think this, you know, his, uh, I'd be very surprised if he has a great season and his and last week has nothing to do with that. So Nate Hackett's got a handful on, uh, on his plate right now. He's got to get Jerry Judy to realize, hey, you uh, have a golden opportunity playing with Russell Wilson. You're playing for your next contract. Concentrate on that. Um, make sure you're taking care of your business in a, t- in a good manner at home. And then be a player that the Broncos thought they were drafting. Again, this is the First in Orange podcast talking Jerry Judy's arrest. That's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman. So, Judy now set to appear May 31st for his next court appearance. And as Ryan mentioned, a lot of proving to do in-house and from the fans' view as well. Just, you know, can he be the mature season football player the Broncos are hoping he could be when they drafted him in the first round? And you mentioned him getting lapped by some of those uh, fellow first-round receivers. I mean, Justin Jefferson has lapped him like 10 times. And of course he's the outlier of the pack, but just still not a good start for Judy and not a good start to this off season with this golden opportunity with a season receivers core and Russell Wilson throwing them the ball. So we'll continue to monitor that at denverpost.com slash Broncos. Also looking back to last week, we were at rookie minicamp this past weekend. All nine of the picks were there plus 11 tryout players and some other rookie sort of qualifiers, i.e. wideout Seth Williams. Ryan, what were your impressions from those two days? And we got to, hey, watch both sessions in their entirety on Friday and Saturday before talking to Hackett, Evro, and others. Well, my main impression was they were really weaning these rookies along. There was no teamwork. Uh, You did not see cornerbacks versus defensive backs. You did not see seven on seven, much less eleven on eleven, much less one on ones. You did not see a special teams drill where guys run down the field and a punt is caught. So, you know, Hackett rationalized that decision by saying they want to teach them the techniques of the plays and the routes and the details, get them integrated. So when they meet up with the veterans later this week or even today, Monday, and then definitely for OTAs they at least will know how to walk and chew gum at the same time, so to speak, from a football IQ Broncos perspective. But uh, a couple of things that stood out to me, it's Greg Dulcich, the uh, third-round tight end. He looked like a man among boys out there just running around. You know, as Justin out in the offensive coordinator says, this guy looks like an NFL tight end. That's first off. That's a good place to start. Um, You know, the the, – 
inside linebacker Chris Allen, excuse me, outside linebacker Chris Allen, probably their most notable undrafted free agent. He didn't really do a lot of work coming off that broken foot sustained last December. And then, uh, you know, the other thing that jumped out to me are some of the guys who were here last year that are allowed to participate because they didn't play enough games. Seth Williams, Marquise Spencer, you know, those guys are going to be facing roster battles when training camp starts. So I think it was beneficial for them to, you know, just get those extra three days on the field with a, with a new coaching staff. So, um, you know, if you're writing takeaways off rookie camp, to me, there really weren't any, that's the way they designed it. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, just not a lot of intensive work. They were really looking to see, you know, what kind of players had the fundamentals and details already in their game they were looking for. And there was only one quarterback there, kid from Eastern Washington, who didn't look too good, all due respect, was kind of airmailing and uh, throwing all over the yard. Of course, he had quite a bit of reps uh, at, at the camp. So um, we'll continue to monitor Broncos offseason activities, denverpost.com slash Broncos. But hey, you know, one of those guys that we saw this past weekend is likely to make the roster and continue the Broncos' grand tradition of undrafted free agents making the regular season roster out of training camp. 17 out of the last 18 years that's occurred. Andre Mintz last year. Now he's since been waived. But hey, this this uh, class could have a couple of them, or, or one of them at least, Ryan. Yeah, and, and uh, they didn't sign any of the tryout guys, which means they feel pretty good about their 90-man roster right now. A lot of times they'll cut a guy or two just to get a, a tryout guy another look, get him under contract, get him in the building. Um, you know, I wrote about Sebastian Gutierrez, the Division II kid from Minot State, North Dakota offensive tackle. He's a developmental guy. If he's on the practice squad, get him a year. Uh, it would be very beneficial. You know, Chris Allen, if he stays healthy, I think he's got a shot. And then you wrote about um, Kane Maga. Am I, am I even remotely close? That's that's uh, close. I, I okay. asked him a couple times to pr- pronounce it for me, and even I am having trouble. So yeah. Maga, so, the USC well, inside linebacker. You, you, you decided to interview a USC kid wearing an Arizona State golf shirt. He still talked to you. What were uh, what were some of his impressions of well, uh, the Broncos? You know, didn't even re- he didn't even blink. So I guess you know he was good with it. USC usually beat up on ASU during his time there, so I'm sure he's good with it. Um, you know. He started outside at USC, was highly touted coming out of Hawaii, uh, went to USC, started outside, kind of made his name on special teams, then moved to inside. And that's where he's expecting to hoping, you know, and hoping to make an impact, just hoping he can prove, you know, his physicality at over 200 tackles in his time at USC. He's a, he's a bonafide run stuffer, but can he cover in pass defense and, and pass coverage, drop back, and cover some of the, the tight ends, etc. He said that was kind of some of his biggest adversity at USC is giving up some big plays in pass coverage. So he's going to have to prove that if, if he wants to stick around. And, hey, good news for him is Broncos didn't draft an inside linebacker uh, in the in the draft. So some, some flexibility there, some room for him to maybe slide in the back end and maybe be a special teams guy. And, and, and that's that's what you look at when you're trying to say which undrafted kid has the best chance to make the initial 53-man rosters. What positions did they not address in the draft? Right. Inside linebacker, as you mentioned, right now it's Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, Justin Sternad, Jonas Griffith, Barrington Wade. So there is an opportunity there after 
the first two guys. And I think Jonas Griffin has a good shot to make it because he just adds so much value on special teams and can run so well. So, you know, I, and, and I also look at, at Allen as well. Do they cross train him a little bit once he gets on the field? Do they start, do they, do they teach him inside and outside to bring some versatility to the table? So it's, uh, you know, for these guys, it's going to be a tough roster to make because there's also nine draft picks and there's, uh, and they've done so much work in the offseason adding players and positions in need. So if, if one of these guys makes it, then they'll keep the streak alive. But, you know, if you're an undrafted kid going through camp, the one thing is stay healthy, which means you stay available, play your butt off preseason games because there's an expanded practice squad. And chances are if you're on that first practice squad in week one, you're going to get a call-up at some point. Yeah, it's for these rookies, especially the undrafted guys, the practice squad might be the way to go this year, just as you mentioned with all the work and dealings that Peyton has done this offseason. And, hey, it might be good news for Broncos fans if this streak is – it's not – I don't want to say it's snapped because it was snapped uh, five or six years ago. As I said, 17 on the last 18. But if it's 17 on the last 19 after this year, that might be a good sign for Broncos fans with the depth that Peyton has assembled. And not to say that one of these guys – can't somehow come on make an impact off the practice squad later in the year due to inevitable injuries and this is the first orange podcast kyle newman ryan o'halloran denverpost.com slash broncos for more analysis on rookie minicamp and some of these undrafted free agent guys and the rookie class going forward looking ahead here we got more otas coming up what are you looking for ryan and what should fans be looking for as you know the summer kind of gets going with this offseason program yeah, it, it's the, sort of the phase three. So you're getting 11-on-11 11 11 work, so it would be somewhat similar to the uh, voluntary minicamp last month before the draft. But you'll get the draft picks integrated with the veterans who have been here for like six weeks in the off-season program or so. So to me, it's, hey, if, if you know, I can't remember what we're going to be able to watch, but you're going to see some offense versus defense without pads, no contact, but – uh, what's going to be what, what to me? What I'm looking for is okay. First thing is offensive line. They've been they've been cagey about answering this question since they were hired. At some point, they got to announce this guy's lining up here. This guy's lining up there. This position's up for grabs. Justin Alton was the latest to dodge. Like who is playing on the interior? Who's kind of set there? Where's Luke Wattenberg playing? Well, he finally <laughs> got around to it. Thank you, Justin, and said he's learning center first. Yes, I mean. Uh, but to me, like left tackle Garrett Bowles, he's set there. I think Quinn Miners is your best offensive lineman right now. He's a right guard. I'd, I'd, I'd leave him there. Right tackle is going to be a competition after they didn't address it in a draft between Calvin Anderson, Billy Turner, Tom Compton. Does Billy Turner even, even participate in OTAs coming off his rehab that, uh, from Green Bay last year? And then I think Lloyd Cushenberry can play center in this system, which requires more athleticism. Get out, get those linebackers. So Graham Glasgow, where does he fit? Dalton Reisner, I wouldn't mind seeing left guard open for competition for obvious reasons. So um, maybe we'll get some clarity on that just by watching these guys on the field and where they line up on the field, uh, where they line up with first unit, second unit, third unit. So and then uh, inside linebackers, Alex Singleton get the first shot in the base defense alongside Josie Jewell. You know, does. Uh, you know, where does Oju Moutier and Asang Bassi play a corner? They move inside and outside. So I think what what the, the OTAs will provide for uh, 
for us is just some clarity on, okay, this is what they're saying about this player, but this is actually what they're doing with this player. And, of course, there's the backup quarterback battle that will be monitoring all the reps between Brett Rippon and Josh Johnson, right? You're, you're, well, you'll you be can, logging you can that, take right? Care, you can take care of that one. Uh, oh, wow. Thank you. What, uh, that, uh, you know, a tight end also is, is okay, if they go to two tight ends, is it Albert and Tomlinson? Is it Belsich and Sauber? So they do feel like they do have good tight end depth now. I do feel they don't need to do anything else there. They got four guys with NFL experience. But, uh, you know, and then, you know, the mafia will be all, you know, watching Russell Wilson. We'll be paying attention to Russell too. But I think there's a lot of other things to uh, monitor during these OTAs uh, as well. And these, of course, not open to the public until training camp comes around, right? Correct. So, and, uh, so you have to read the Denver Post, find out what, what the hell happened. DenverPost.com slash Broncos. Appreciate you listening in to today's first in Orange podcast. That's Brian O'Halloran alongside Kyle Newman. Come back next week for more analysis on the Broncos heading forward into the summer. Appreciate you listening in to today's show. Until next time, folks, take it easy.